Y'all ready to be history? It started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Thanks to Tribooth, the best vocal booth for home or on-the-road voice recording. And Austrian Audio, making passion heard. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. Line up, And welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. Thanks to Austrian Audio, making passion heard. And Tribooth, don't forget the code PAP200 to get $200 off your Tribooth. A good deal. Take advantage. Uh, I did see something come through the other day about um, the new Rode Rodecaster Pro 2 with their firmware update, which made me think about firmware. Is it good, bad, or indifferent? Well, maybe, maybe we should first define exactly what firmware is for the... For the listeners, what the heck it's is the firmware? software for hardware, right? The software that runs inside your device that makes it do what it does. And some devices don't even have a screen and have a firmware, but many of them do have a screen, which make it more obvious, maybe, that they're actually little computers inside. Yeah, anything that has a computer or needs to run some sort of routine and is not just a device that processes something exactly the same every single time. And as long as it has some sort of programmatic routine, it's going to have firmware in it somewhere. So if you think about the difference, your TV from the 70s, you just turned it on and it just tuned into a frequency that you turned the knob to. Whereas your TV now is really a computer that you're booting up and then logging into a stream because it's a smart TV. So your TV now has firmware in it, you know, some operating system, but it's approaching an operating system in a sense. It's the operating system for your TV. That's right. Makes sense? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. If you ever repaired a modern TV, which I did, because I picked up one by my dumpster two years ago, a <laughs> beautiful 4K UHD TV, it's just a computer on the inside. It's like a little motherboard, for like a tiny little motherboard, yep. and not it's much got else. memory and all of it. It's got memory. It's got buffers. Yep. It's just a tiny yep. little computer. So, yeah. So, that thing's and, running a firmware. And firm the audio there. interfaces are the same. When you, when you look at, I would say, an interface specifically like the road. I would not be surprised at all if it's basically running Linux, some version of Linux. It might be preempted in real time and have certain constraints that make it not as ideal for word processing and more ideal for running numbers efficiently all the time on a certain speed, um, these numbers being audio, of course. But it's a computer, really. And when they speak about the firmware, I think they're, you're updating the software and what makes it so flexible is that now you can change it and your box can do things it was not able to do maybe the day you bought it. It also allows manufacturers to put out flawed devices and fix them. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. On the fly. Yeah. <laughs> or evolve them over time. Evolve like the roadcaster them. that yep. you have that I had for three full years. Still evolved. has your sticker on it. <laughs> yeah. It evolved quite a lot. From the first time I got it to the time to where it was when I gave it to you. Like it, they added yeah. many, many features. And I didn't have to run those updates. Right. It added features yeah. that I wanted it to do. And then it added features that I didn't want it to do. Did they ever run it backwards to you? Like, did they ever do something that you're like, man, I wish that old way was better. Did that ever happen? Well, I can talk about that in the context of another piece of hardware. 
I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but not in the sure. not in the roadcaster. No. And I never felt like anything they added took away something else that I liked. Okay. But again, I will tell you about another product that has done just that. <laughs> hmm. Who does George not like? Yeah. <laughs> Who's getting it this week? Yeah. Is that my turn now? <laughs> yeah, you, is, you, uh, you go for it. Yeah. You, you, you've intrigued us. We are now waiting to hear who. <laughs> well, as we were saying, Road did a really good job with their firmware updates. Rarely did they create new bugs or, or instability. It was very unusual. And each time they added very usable features. Some of them are extremely useful. Some of them really gimmicky, but just always up the ante. And just it was just made that that piece of gear one of the first... To me, of its kind, where firmware was so fully realized and so really well utilized by a company. I have no idea how long they had the Roadcaster Pro 2 in the pipeline, but they had the Roadcaster Original or 1 in, you know, constant, you know, being updated significantly for the whole time that I had it, which was a good three years, which I thought was pretty amazing. Um, other companies like firmware is is so common in a lot of devices, and, and I've always liked devices that use firmware because they are so powerful and flexible. Um, the Apollo is an example of those by Universal Audio. I think it goes farther. The Apollo's got firmware in it, and it also has software in the computer that interacts yeah. with that firmware in the device. Yeah, the Roadcaster can do. Ev- the Roadcaster is unique, and then it can do every single thing that it does. Like you do yeah. not need a computer. However, there's other products that are more of a hybrid where they rely on a symbiotic connection between a computer and hardware. And that's definitely where the Apollo comes in. And the Personas Revelator IO24, both of which I own and have used extensively. And one of them has done it very, very successfully. And the other one, not so much. <laughs> and the so overall the Apollo has never and I've never ever experienced a firmware crash I've never experienced a failed firmware update and I've never experienced an updated firmware that makes the unit less useful or in any way less stable they have done a very good job of doing that now the feature set in the Apollo has not changed in any real noticeable way in almost since the beginning which is kind of interesting they changed the console from console one to console two. So it changed the look to it and added a little more flexibility. But really the thing has remained unchanged functionality wise. I don't think anybody knows console one. I mean I used it for was that? You know, the first few years it was console one yeah. and then it went to console two. So it, it hasn't changed really hardly at all. And it's maintained pretty much its core functionality, its user interface, everything all these years. But they do have firmware updates, and mainly what those firmware updates are for is so that they can support new plugins. And that's really where Universal puts their development time in, is licensing and building new plugins. Because they for sell... Really old chip. Yeah, they sell new <laughs> plugins. It's a business model for them, right? So, yeah. so that's a lot of it, you know. And so if you, for another thing, if you have an older Apollo and you install a new Universal console update because you want the newest plugins... Guaranteed, it's going to say you must do a firmware update, and it will force that firmware update. And then when you boot back up, you're, again, in my experience, having set up a few hundred of these with folks, it's been very reliable. Almost never has failed. However, 
the Personas Revelator, which really takes the idea of what the Apollo is down to another pricing point. You know, the Apollo entry point is at least 500. The Revelator was like under 200. I think they're currently 150. Amazing. And Gosh. they kind of replicated a lot of the same kind of mindset of the Apollo. But what they didn't bother with, nor did they have the intellectual property to do so, I guess, is the is the plugin marketplace, right? You can't buy plugins. So it's weird. So it's not only is it cheaper, but they're not trying to sell you anything else. So I don't know. The business model is weird to me. But the problem is, is that they've been trying these different firmwares to either add or take away features to figure out what the personality of this universe, this device should actually be. <laughs> You're trying to figure out the product and after they put it out. I'm not kidding you, literally. So well, I bought one soon after it came out because I saw the reviews. I saw maybe a video. A friend of mine, Jim Edgar, I think, got one before me, and he had great all these things to say. So I grabbed one because $200, it was so affordable. And so the potential was so great. I just got excited about it and immediately got one and started learning how to make it work. And I was like, this thing's amazing. It's got, um, it's only a single USB interface, but it appears as actually three different audio devices in your system. And that was true. And it's it's a single USB plug, single USB port, but it shows up as three devices in your computer, three hardware devices. Now, Roadcaster does a similar thing. It's two devices. One of them is a stereo mix. So it's just like it acts like a normal broadcast mixer. And then it has multi-channel mode, right? So it's got two sets of drivers, which is very clever, very good. So what Personas is doing is not doing that at all. They, they don't care about multi-tracking. The Personas is all about creating mixes for different things, literally making mix minuses. Now, they don't call them that, but that's exactly what it is. And the way the thing's designed is to create for you several or at least two mix minuses that you can manipulate for different things in a very logical way. And then assign software, like say Zoom or Source Connect or whatever it is, to a separate mix that's just for that thing, which is brilliant. And it really works. Can you you cross-patch those mixes? Well, you've got each mix can be assigned... Basically, what it is, is you've got three layers. Can you send Zoom to Source Connect and Source Connect to Zoom? Yeah, because there's two, they call them stream mixes. There's a stream mix A and a stream mix B. And then there's the main main channel. And A can never go to A and B can never go to B, but A can go to B and B can can go to A. Oh, you can not have a mix minus if you want. You can loop back on yourself. Oh, yeah. You can create echoes. You can fuck up. Oh yeah, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you have to make yeah. you have to make your own mix minus, which makes the unit a little more difficult. It's not like you still have to have an understanding of sound routing, mix minuses, and all this stuff to make it really work. So it's not idiot proof, right? It's a little bit more flexible than a lot of products, not as extensible as the Apollo. It's kind of like a Goldilocks thing. It's right there in the middle. So this is a long story, but so I was very happy with it. I was using it for my day-to-day production, for my VOBS show, even for our show. It was part me, of my let me, day-to-day. Let me cut you off for a second. Yeah. Did this happen before or after you sent me the Roadcaster uh, that they did this to it? I'd say after. Probably after. I probably would have kept the Roadcaster. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, so I'm using it happily. And then along comes a new firmware. 
And I should update, know inherently to don't install new <laughs> firmwares. I I just I know this, but somehow either I got tricked into it or it was just a momentary lapse of clarity. I whatever the reason I installed that firmware. Sonus decided that, you know, we, it was too complicated. It had too many different mixes and it had this stream mix button assignment that people didn't seem to understand. Let's just remove one of those mixes and get rid of that little button. You know, just make it a little easier to understand. <laughs> it had completely screwed up my my system. It was as literally like somebody walked into your studio overnight when you weren't looking and unplugged some stuff and then moved them around on the board. <laughs> Took half of it, basically. <laughs> yeah. It made me yeah. crazy. Like it broke my mix minuses. It I had to re-understand the signal flow. I had to re-understand the driver. Like it was just berserk. And it was and their reasoning was that it was too complicated to use. That's literally what they said in their support while they installed the the, the new firmware. So now <laughs> I get used to the new firmware. Now, in the meantime, I had already trained one of my clients on how to use the product on the original firmware. Spent a lot of time teaching her how to do this. The learning curve was steep for her because she was a, she's a voiceover coach and a voice actor. So she has a booth. She works at her desk. She coaches people on Zoom. She has students come. She has all these modes of operation that she does, right? So I set up all these different recalls. You know, when you're at your desk, use this recall. When you're at your booth, use this recall, et cetera. And some of those things were unstable in the original firmware. And I went to go have her upgrade, and I realized that this was going to actually become more of a problem than it needs to be. So I kept her where she's at, and she's still running the original firmware to this day. Flash forward to just a few months ago. This story never ends. My iPad, which this is another thing that makes the Personas unique. I can use my iPad as a wireless Wi-Fi remote control to control the Revelator directly. Which, which, which they took from Mo2 and they took from... Behringer, too. Oh, a lot. Of, I am so surprised. Is there not a UA console control Wi-Fi app? There is not a UA console control amazing. iPad or Wi-Fi app for the Apollo 12 years in. Still not, right? So I was really mm. enjoying it. Like uh, my daughter was coming in here, taking, getting coaching. I could sit with my iPad, even in the other room if I wanted to, and just make sure her levels were good and turn up thing. You know, if I needed to mess with the levels, I could do it. It was awesome. It was really cool. All again, all on a $200 interface. Really clever. Well, the iPad was set to automatic app updates. <laughs> they push a new app update and they jump to a new console version. So it went from 3.6 something to 4.0. Guess what 4.0 said? If you want to keep using this, you have to update, update the your firmware. firmware. And what did I do? Instead of instead of just saying, well, forget it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I was like, you know what? Whatever it is, I'll be able to handle it, no problem. So I installed the new firmware. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and they added like all these, they added features like an OBS. Do you know what OBS is? Oh, yeah. Open broadcast system. I, I like the, yeah, the app. Yeah, it's yeah. great. They added an OBS remote control. So you could control OBS from the iPad in the app. I'm like, okay, not something anybody asked for. Maybe somebody did, but I'd but sure. Someone asked for that. Somebody yeah, must have. I'm, sure, I'm sure someone asked for that. That's like, yeah. <laughs> and they added some other features and long, long, long story short, it made the thing less stable. 
It had bizarre issues. If the iPad screen would turn off, it would basically lose its mind. It would forget what, you know, what's the old joke? Uh, he'd, he'd, he'd piss himself and think he was in World War II. Whatever it was, the thing would lose <laughs> its mind and you, you couldn't even use it until the iPad had power and would come back on. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, so did she stick with it or did she drop it? So this is me. This is my experience. I didn't let Martha install all this stuff because I had a feeling this was going to be a bad idea. Martha, you if you're listening. that out. That's yeah. okay. She's, yeah. she, she's a good friend. We went uh, through this. I went through this whole thing so that my clients wouldn't have to do it, right? And um, so it, I, and I had to figure out how to backgrade the firmware. Support didn't seem to know how to explain to me how to do this. I figured it out after some experimentation. Then after that whole process, I found out there actually is no way to refer revert the iPad app pro to a prior version. Apple doesn't allow it. You can't install the 3.6 version of the console. It's just once you install the new one, it's gone permanently. Uh-huh. So I've permanently borked my setup or I can't use the iPad anymore. All because of a way a company and and its ecosystem updates things and creates problems with firmware. So all that to say is that to me, firmware leaves a bad taste in my mouth <laughs> from this experience. <laughs> and whenever somebody is, is posed with a needing to install a firmware, I only let them do it if they realize that their system could go down permanently or it could change the feature set in such a way that they won't know how to use it. And if they can't, if there's nothing they can do but install the firmware, that is what really bugs me. A system where the firmware has to be in, in upgraded in order for a software function to continue functioning, that is what makes me not like firmware. It's not even something that like software developers are doing because they have no care for anybody and everything is simple to them and complex for everybody else. It's because literally they don't have a choice you know themselves and that's why things have to update i, I don't think that that's well, part of that like things move forward and how do you yeah. keep old things working when you move forward well but, that well yeah. so again in the universal world every firmware update that i can remember in the last i don't know 5 years has really been to support a new version of us universal console and the new version of universal console was to only support a new set of plugins that they're selling you right yeah, or maybe a new operating system for the host. Like yeah, Mac okay. OS, yeah, that's, whatever, that's fair. Know. That's fair. That's possible too. Uh, can I, I this this could become a long episode. Let me tell you this: <laughs> if you want to install an Apollo on a Silicon Mac, any of the new M1 Macs, to this day, uh-huh. where where what? How how long has it been since the Silicon Mac came out? Two years and three months, four months, almost two and a half years. It came out. You still have to go into your Mac system at boot up, go to the boot screen, like the login. There's like a low level system. Before. You have to turn SPI off. What's SPI mean? Session protection or system protection integrity or something. Yeah. It's a kernel thing. Yeah. You have to like, disable the kernel yeah. system protection layer to run an Apollo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> you literally have to make your Mac less secure to run an Apollo <laughs> two and a half years later. So that's something that really, really bugs me about these extremely, you know, invasive systems that work at a very low level and wire themselves in directly into the main brain of the computer. 
they have access to the computer that nothing else is normally allowed to have. And they make you lower the security just to use them. Does the audience have firmware, do you know? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Definitely. I'm sure it does. Well, I've seen well, firmware here's the telltale on the sign. ID22s, for sure. Here's, yeah. here's the telltale sign of the firmware. If you can adjust your headphone mix and it is done with either a control software in your computer or a knob on that thing that you know for sure is a digital knob, not an analog potentiometer. And you know it's digital because you can spin it around infinitely a number of times. Infinitely. Or it does more than one thing. If you press this button, it does that. If you press that button, it does this. Then you know the thing's got firmware because it has... Another way of saying is that it's got more than simple logic. It's got a lot of logic, and it can be changed. Right. It can be... It can... You know, things are arbitrary (laughs) you know it's 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 hard to explain but basically it makes it very powerful because it's a soft device and george's point is that that power gives the company the power to screw it up well it gives them the power to add features and also break things if not careful that that are loved right and and it's it's very much the nature of firmware that is very often a one direction travel it's like what's on the other side of death Right. Because once you update that firmware, the old thing you had is dead to you. And you will n- most times never get it back. Walking backwards in firmware is usually probably a lot more painful. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. it often yeah. it doesn't, they don't make it easy. It's, interestingly, Apollo makes it pretty easy because I've actually have clients that have an Apollo twin or whatever it is. And they have a laptop that they travel with and they have a desktop for the studio. And they're on two different OSs. And they're updating and backdating the firmware. Yeah. Back so forth. when you take the Apollo and plug it into the newer yeah. Mac with the newer console, the first thing it does is immediately say, "We're updating your firmware." And then when they plug it back into the old Mac, it does the same exact thing again. Yeah. You turn on the unit, it says, "We're updating your firmware," and it it will do that as many times as necessary. Back this, and forth. This is the point. It wa- it walks that razor's edge every time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a company that handles the firmware well. Uh, it's pretty much all in all a good thing. You get the yeah. you get the soft control and the ability to modify and fix things like that. But a company that does it poorly, they can really corner their customers. I mean, the other companies that are famous for firmware updates are routers, especially with all the security stuff. I mean, that's uh, usually yeah. a place where you yeah, want it. You absolutely. actually really do want to stay on the latest firmware True. because often if that old firmware is uh, not updated. There's some vulnerability into Security it. And someone's hole. like, yep. yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's, but routers are famous for firmware. And then yeah. all of a sudden you log into it and the whole interface looks different. Just like you said, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, where did it all go? Now there's yeah, an advanced different. section. It's all in there. So, um, so you might be thinking, <laughs> so what is the opposite of firmware then? Like what is a device that doesn't use firmware, but it could hardware. still do? Right, hardware. So firmware is like the weird point in between software and hardware, right? Yeah. It's the software that controls the hardware. And the software is the software that controls the firmware, technically, or in this case, yeah. it interacts with the firmware. Yeah, it's, it's the go-between between the hardware and the software. Yep. So I think, <clears throat> so the moral to the story would be, stay firm and don't update your firmware. <laughs> if you can avoid it, yes. Yeah. yeah. Stay firm, everybody. <laughs> stay strong. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored by... <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Sponsored by George the Tech and another one of his friends. <laughs> well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite. With thanks to Tribus. And Austrian Audio. Recorded using Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters. And mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging. With tech support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say good day, drop us a note at our website. Theproaudiosuite.com.